0: it is monday october 12th i am trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the daily come on now mma podcast today's topic espn scott van pelt talks about what really bothered him about the Joaquin buckley knockout on saturday mike tyson says he doesn't know why ufc fighters are paid less than boxers i think mike tyson he knows exactly why would the ufc have the audacity to try and get conor mcgregor versus dustin Poirier in texas in 2020 now that texas is open to have crowds at mma events i hope not and now on with the show there was some uproar after saturday's UFC Fight Island Five fight card, and a lot of people had some problems with ESPN's host Scott Van Pelt, who I guess said after the Joaquin Buckley knockout, I get that people love it. I don't. I don't love that the guy is out, mashes his head on the ground. Yay! And then from what Van Pelt said on Twitter, he had been you know spent the better part of Saturday and Sunday answering or being called a bitch on Twitter by MMA fans, and he clarified his stance on what he found uh, bothersome about the knockout. He clarified that on Sunday when he said that what bothered him wasn't so much the knockout, but the way that Impa was unconscious and then smashed his head on on the mat. That was what bothered him so he answered a bunch of tweets and it it came down to that was the thing that was most most bothersome to him and i can see that i can understand that because i've had that reaction when you see a fighter get dropped and their head bounces off the mat it's it's concerning people get concerned because now you're they are obviously unconscious, and most likely badly concussed. But I can't make a, a judgment on that, on the concussion, but there's a very good chance they have a concussion. And then they are falling from whatever height they are. You know, someone like it's a middleweight, probably over six feet tall, and bouncing their head off the mat, which there is, a, there is some protection there, but when you're falling backwards and, and your head's the first point of contact, I don't think that's enough protection to help anyone really. And with nothing to stop the impact, your head is going to take the brunt of that, and then, as we know, not good for the uh, brain. And so, if that's the concern, okay, great. I I one hundred percent buy that, and I think he is. I think he's legit in clarifying this. I don't think. I think if he would have found the sport repugnant. That he would have not bothered to answer any of these things and here's a the one tweet that I think that that Van Pelt made clear of his stance was he was the tweet is from social distancing stable genius the unconsciousness of the football player is not celebrated but you better believe the tackle to stop the drive that caused it is celebrated similarly MMA fans celebrate the artistry of that technique that ends the fight not the unconsciousness of the fighter and then Scott Van Pelt wrote this is well put and yeah, that's what we are celebrating. So some people might get confused by that that aren't involved with the sport. And maybe, I don't think Van Pelt was is among that group because he you know, covers football, covers boxing. He covers violent sports for a living and has done so for a while. And so I think if he was bothered by that, he probably wouldn't have this career. He probably wouldn't be doing what he's doing if, if it was so bothersome. So I think the mix-up in a lot of people comes down to this they see us as MMA fans, you know, get excited when the kick lands and we're still celebrating when Impa falls backwards and and smacks his head. But that's not what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating Impa's, you know, unconsciousness and, and smacking his head. We're, we're celebrating the technique that he used to knock him out. And that technique was stellar. You, you, You'd be hard pressed to find a someone that would say that that wasn't one of the best knockouts of the year or of the UFC, in UFC history. I want to just make note of this that I think the knee jerk reaction from the MMA fans can kind of be understood, calling him a bitch or soft or a pussy or any of these things. I mean, that's what you like. He said that's what you get on Twitter, so that's to be expected. It's disappointing but expected I am glad that he clarified this because it it made things a lot clearer for everyone and I think there are a pretty good amount of MMA fans who would who would agree with this I'm you know we're we're not just laughing off impa's unconsciousness and whatever damage he sustained we're not I don't I don't think I mean I don't I think there's got to be some people that would do that but Thankfully, I don't know those people, but I don't think the majority of MMA fans are, are jumping up and down and laughing at the knocked out guy on the mat. They're jumping up and down, celebrating the technique that was used to, to end the fight. And, and I also understand that that, that the, the aftermath of the technique is, is bothersome to a lot of people. It just is. It's the same with the with blood and then knockouts and, and boxing as well. Because, you know, hockey fights get bloody sometimes, but that's not the norm. And boxing and MMA, you're probably going to expect at least one bloody fight or more on every card. And if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. And I think that's why the... the we won't see MMA ever become a huge, huge sport just because of everything that can go very wrong in the the normal course of a fight. The wrenching of limbs is hard to watch sometimes, even for MMA fans. The blood can become bothersome, especially if it's, you know, like a, a Joe Stevenson situation or the fight between Joe Lozon or a knockout like... Edson Barboza and Terry Adam and and or Buckley and Impa these things are not a lot of people have problems with that and I don't think we should condemn people that that don't have the same kind of I guess tolerance would be a a fair word I don't think we should condemn those people as MMA fans and I don't think we should write them off but you know if, if that's not their bag that's not their bag if it is if it's yours then that's you know you have a different opinion and there's no reason to make fun of somebody or or, or call them a bitch for that It just it, it doesn't do anything to help the MMA community to do that it makes the community look small-minded and vindictive and vengeful and silly to be honest just silly so I'm glad Van Pelt cleared this up and made things a little more understandable on his end and hopefully the MMA community will learn a little something about this about themselves too here and and be a little more well not accepting probably is the wrong word but be a little more you know tolerant of people with other views that you might not share. Mike Tyson was on a podcast, I guess I I'm not sure here, but the story is from the Mail Online from from the UK, and he was asked about the difference in pay between the Uh, UFC and and boxing and he said the the MMA fighters don't make enough money and when asked why he thought that was he said that's tricky it doesn't make any sense I don't know they don't make enough money in my perspective it's it's exciting and sexy but UFC fighters and that's in brackets don't make enough money and I think Tyson 100% knows why UFC fighters don't make enough money. And that's because one of the reasons and probably the biggest right now is that his buddy, UFC president Dana White, does not pay UFC fighters enough. And Tyson also, if he knows anything, and I think he knows this as well, that the UFC keeps eighty more than 80% of the revenue and then gives the scraps to the UFC fighters. And if you dig a little deeper down, you'll find that That's because the UFC's parent company, Endeavor, bought the promotion from the Fertitas and Zufa for $4 billion. And one of the selling points of the UFC at that time was the rate of return and the prospects of the future of that rate of return. So even though the fighters found out that the rate of return was 80% towards the promotion and 20%, if we're rounding up, to the fighters... Well, they weren't happy, but nothing's changing there because there's no representation and there's no association. So if you think that that's going to change anytime soon, you're incorrect unless Endeavor sells the UFC off and the new ownership group is a little nicer to the the labor. So the expectation is that that's not going to change anytime soon because if you're in a business that's returning you 80% of the revenue, you're going to want to stay in that business. And you know, for, for Tyson to say, he doesn't know, he knows, I mean, does he, 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 has to know. There's many things Mike Tyson might be, but he's aware where the money gets made and where the money gets spent on, on things like this because he was, you know, ripped off. So he probably knows how things work and he also knows his friend dana white is responsible for for keeping mma salaries as low as they are and so you know maybe if tyson was a little more vocal and pointed the finger where it deserves to be pointed people would 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 get a little more upset about this but i think we just accept the fact that the ufc is screwing its fighters in many ways low pay independent contractor status no insurance outside of injury insurance during fight camp meanwhile making them fill fill out disclosure forms of where they're going to be at all times and making them adhere to the drug testing policy and making them wear uniforms and making them do mandatory media for fights these are all things that should make them employees but they're not and so they're independent contractors and they're poorly paid and that is not a mistake that's how the, the the promotion is designed and you know mike tyson knows that many fans know that and it's time to stop ignoring it or accepting it because it doesn't doesn't do the fighters any favors and those are the people that the fans are paying to see Wondering about this Poirier and McGregor fight for 2020, and what I'm wondering is if the UFC would have the audacity to try and put this event in Texas, because Texas is now accepting applications for MMA events, combat sports events, with with fans in attendance, and fans, the number of fans in attendance are ridiculously high under this under this um, protocol that Texas wrote up, according to MMA Junkie, which got a hold of the th- the uh, protocol, they are accepting up to fifty percent of of attendance for a combat sports event. So, Texas Stadium could be attractive because that would pack in if you take it by half, over fifty thousand probably. I think I, I might be wrong, but it, a, an extremely high number. And then if you go into a your standard um, NBA, NHL uh, arena, you're going to be looking in the range of probably eight to 10,000 fans. Not a high, high number for a McGregor fight card, that's for sure. But with the lack of fans in attendance for most of this year, the problems that would ensue in trying to set up an event while the pandemic is still going on i think the ufc could charge a premium for those seats so i wonder if that is an option i i honestly hope it's not because it sounds like a recipe for disaster and the other thing that would make it maybe problematic is that here in the mma junkie story it says promoters must submit their own operational plan to TDLR that's the Texas Department of uh, what is it licensing and regulation and to the Texas Department of State Health Services the operational plan must detail the promoters plans for daily COVID-19 screenings providing protective equipment and staffing as well as cleaning and disinfecting the event venue and athlete delegation housing when deciding whether to allow an event to proceed tdlr will monitor factors including positive test rates and hospitalization rates in the area where the event is scheduled if there's a localized spike in cases the agency may cancel an event anytime up to the beginning of the bouts so there's all that and that increases the risk of a event getting canceled at the last minute at literally the last minute um, and if the ufc is going to absorb all those expenses and put things in place that are obviously going to cost a ton of money. Then maybe it doesn't risk going to Texas. I know I wouldn't, because um, all it takes is, you know, like it says here, a spike in cases, and not and a spike is not defined, so we don't know what what we're looking at as a as a baseline or as an unacceptable line. It could be a very thin line and if that's the case that's a high risk low reward for the UFC and I don't know if that would be worth it because by the time you get everybody in place if the spike is during fight week now you you've spent all that money for not and even if the uh, the fight card gets rescheduled for Texas you've still spent all that money. And I don't think anyone's going to be eager to refund that, especially since they're already saying here, hey, you can make all the plans and and get everything set up and we'll approve those plans. But we're still going to say whether the event goes off and we can cancel it at any time up to, including the uh, the time the fights start going off. So I don't think that's a risk that, anyone would really want to take without some insurances that that money is going to be uh, recoupable. And I don't think that is going to happen any time uh, with anyone. So my, my thinking is that I'm not sure that this fight is going to take place in 2020. And if it doesn't happen in 2020 and McGregor stands his ground and says he only wants to fight in 2020, Well, that brings up uh, an interesting conundrum, doesn't it? Does the UFC then book McGregor in 2021? Or does McGregor say, no, you had your chance in 2020? Because we still don't know 100% for sure what's going on with the Pacquiao thing. Uh, I tend to believe that that was a bluster, but with Pacquiao now being managed by the same management group, we don't know. We don't know what's going on there could be it could be anything at this point. And so if that's what McGregor has scheduled for 2021, well, then the UFC has a dilemma. It's going to I don't I think the UFC will make a ton of money on McGregor in 2020 on a pay-per-view, but when it can make a hand, a, a a high amount on on t- ticket sales as well. It, that's a that's some math that the UFC is going to need to do. And does the UFC try and think that you know if we don't schedule him in 2020, he's going to fight for us in 2021? I don't know. That's a risk, and with McGregor, that's a big risk because he doesn't seem to need the cash. or At least he should not need need the cash. Need as opposed to want. So if The UFC says, no, we're going to wait till we can get a crowd. McGregor might say, well, you had your chance and now I'm going to go pursue boxing. But then can McGregor pursue boxing without the okay of the UFC? And the answer to that is no. And what is the UFC going to look for in McGregor's boxing match? That's another part of the whole equation that it's going to have to figure out. Is it worth it to let him go box and take a big chunk of that because without The UFC's approval, McGregor does nothing because that's the way the contracts work. Um, And then, you know, that's another thing to consider. So there's a lot of pieces moving here. And the other thing is now, if the UFC says no to the 2020 fight, does McGregor say, well, you also just cost Dustin Poirier's charity $500,000? Now, I will say it's shitty to hold a charity quote-unquote, hostage because of the UFC. And if you're using a charity as a negotiating ploy, I understand that. And I can appreciate the fact that you think that is going to make a difference to the UFC. But if you're a charitable person, then should a charity be really held hostage? And, and should the UFC really be forced to do this for you to give to a charity? See, that, that then that's another thing that looks bad. You know, McGregor could say, well, the UFC cost Poirier's charity $500,000, and then the UFC could t- turn around and say, why are you using a charity as a negotiating ploy? Why don't you just give to charity out of, you know, the goodness of your heart as what which is what charity is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a showing off. But we know that's not what charity really is. M- many times it's someone, you know, showing, hey, look, look how much I'm giving. Look how good of a person I am, which is kind of defeats the charity, doesn't it? Anyway, there's a lot of lot to think about here. And I don't know. I really don't know what's going on. But uh, what I do know is that if the UFC does try and move this to Texas to get a a fight with a crowd for a mcgregor event i i think that's a very risky proposition and it's something that is going to call for the media to really scrutinize the ufc's plans and how this all shakes out because i just don't see a 50 percent attendance level working for any kind of sport and the seating might work but then you know, there's a whole another level to this and that is you know the concession lines, the bathroom lines, the entrance and exit, the parking, everything is kinda of dependent on keeping people somewhat apart. And I'm gonna guess wearing masks, but doesn't really say here. So there's a lot of issues at play. And I don't know who's gonna win in this. But if it if it doesn't happen, you know, the fans lose, that's for sure. That's for sure.